Welcome, and this is the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. This is Pastor Josh, and thank you for joining me. I am so glad that you're listening in today. At Valley View Friends Church, we are learning how to live as God's people, concerned with reaching and restoring hearts and homes with Jesus. If you want to learn more about our church, look us up on our website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. Please subscribe to always get the next podcast. I want to thank everyone for uh, their patience. Uh, Last week was our denomination's annual conference. That's why we didn't have a posted message. And uh, just thank you for your patience as we were out of town for that. Uh, But now back to our weekly postings. And so let's turn our attention to this week's message about having faith that trusts. When John Kavanaugh, who was a noted and famous ethicist, went to Calcutta, he was seeking Mother Teresa, and he was seeking for more. He went for three months to work at the House of the Dying to find out how he could best spend the rest of his life. When he met Mother Teresa, he asked her to pray for him. What do you want me to pray for, she replied, and then he uttered the request he had carried for thousands of miles. Pray for clarity. Pray that I have clarity. Mother Teresa answered, no, I will not do that. And when he asked her why, she said, clarity is the last thing you are clinging to and you must let go of. Kavanaugh responded by saying that Mother Teresa, she seemed to have a lot of clarity herself that he was looking for. And Teresa, Mother Teresa responded and said, I've never had clarity. What I have always had is trust. So I'll pray that you will trust God. Trust is an essential element of faith. Over the next three weeks, we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at faith and what it means to have faith. It's that element of belief that each Christian must exercise to receive salvation and to live well. But faith is a tricky thing. Faith is difficult for most of us to get our minds around. So, let's think about faith for a moment. How would you define that word faith? What does it mean to you? And many people today would say faith is believing the unprovable. And that's a start, but it's not a full enough understanding of faith. Let's look at the idea, that idea that faith is believing in the unprovable. That certainly sounds like the Bible's definition of faith, and we can find uh, a basic biblical definition of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. So, let's go there now, Hebrews 11, 1. It's a classic verse, one that I think we should return to often to understand faith. So, Hebrews 11, 1 reads like this, now faith is confident in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. And so, it rings closely to believing in the unprovable, but there is far more in the biblical definition. There's the word confidence, as well as the word assurance. Unprovable, that word unprovable, it's not mentioned as a part of faith, although we assume it to be in there. The phrase, what we cannot see, is a part of faith. And perhaps that's where we start to uh, assume that it's we believe in the unprovable. And in our culture, seeing something, sight, is nearly synonymous with the verifiable. And I think that's where we start to think that faith is something that's unprovable. If we can't see it, we can't prove it. But we're supposed to believe it anyway. 
proof has become one of the cornerstones of our world. Alistair McGrath, in his Christian theology, his book Christian Theology, says this about the modern understanding of faith. Since the time of the Enlightenment, the word faith has come to mean something like a lower form of knowledge. Many think of it as partial knowledge, characterized by a degree of uncertainty, based on a lack of evidence, or evidence which is inadequate to convince fully. Faith is seen as a firm commitment to belief, which is not adequately justified on the basis of evidence available. In other words, our society, in our society, faith will do, but faith is not the best. Faith is the excuse for believing something until you can prove it to be true in our society. Faith has become a second-class knowledge. I do like that phrase. I think most of us would prefer proof. Heaven forbid we rely on faith when something is contrary to our knowledge. Society calls that type of person a fool. And crowd opinion is often viewed as a substitute for knowledge. And so there's all kinds of problems that arise when we talk about faith. And it's a problem when we talk about faith as a lower form or second class knowledge. As though faith should always be jettisoned when facts come along. And so it's no wonder that we and our children struggle. When our children leave home and they go out on their own, they struggle because they come across a new set of, well, I'll put in quotes, facts that are taught to them, that are they encounter in the workplace, in the world, in the community, and they struggle because they've been taught faith is second-class knowledge and nothing more. If faith is belief in the unprovable until facts come along, then we're setting up our children and ourselves for failure. This attitude inadvertently sends the message that where there is proof, there is no need for faith. But it's not true. We need faith all the time. Think again of Hebrews 11.1. And it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Hebrews 11.1 tells us that Christian faith starts with realizing that we have limitations in what we can see. We have limitations, and so we need help. But despite those limitations, we are to have confidence in God and assurance of His promises. Thomas Aquinas, one of the church's great thinkers and philosophers, grabbed onto this idea. He understood that faith was necessary for understanding. He knew that there is much that we could understand with human reason and logic, but that the knowledge of God, it went way beyond our own comprehension. But to say that God goes beyond reason does not mean that God is unreasonable. It is that he is beyond our capabilities to fully understand and explain. For Aquinas, this is where faith came in. There reaches a point where we need help, and we need to engage an additional sense that transcends our natural abilities. Bernard of Clairvaux said this, I believe, though I do not comprehend, and I hold by faith what I cannot grasp in my mind. And that's what we're being asked to do with faith. And 2 Corinthians 5.7 tells us this, We live by faith, not by sight. We need help. And I used this illustration about a year ago in one of my sermons. Uh, Think of a radio. Now, I'm not sure if anyone here still listens to the radio. You're listening to a podcast, but that's a little different from the old traditional radio. And most of the radios in the Walker household, they're missing something. The antenna. 
That little metal rod that extends like a telescope out of the top of the radio that usually Seth, our son, broke them off when he was a little boy. He was fascinated with them. And sometimes I've broken them off because I tend to fidget with things. But our radios, have all of them are missing their antennas. Now, our broken radios can still get some stations, but they work so much better with an antenna attached. And faith is the antenna, the antenna that tunes us into the knowledge of God. Faith is a tool that helps us with what we cannot see on our own. Faith is like a set of glasses. I need glasses to see well. I can see without them, but everything's really blurry. If I only believed what I could see without glasses, my world would not have much belief in it. But those glasses, they help me to see all the more clearly. And faith is like a set of glasses. It helps me to see. It's a tool. Faith is not something to be proven or disproven. Faith is also not just a blind leap. Though it might start with a step of, well, faith. Faith is the mechanism or the way, the tool that we can use to know God. Faith is our antenna, our window, our glasses, if you will, into the knowledge of God. We need to understand that. We need that broader concept of faith. Now, this week in my reading about faith, I came across a challenging question. It's a real simple one, and I think it bears for us to think about, especially when we understand faith as a tool for us to use so that we can see what's beyond our comprehension. The question goes like this. It's very simple. It says, what in your life right now requires faith? What in your life right now requires faith? Are you living a life that is all sure and provable? It's built on all that? What in your life requires belief beyond your comprehension? I suspect that most of us live in that which we can be sure of. And faith asks us to trust in what we cannot see. And it is this trusting aspect of faith that I want to spend a few moments on this morning. Once more, let's hear those words from Hebrews 11.1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Words like confidence and assurance are words that require trust. George MacDonald says this, To be trusted is a greater compliment than being loved. So, to trust in God, wow, that is a great compliment to God to say, Lord, we trust you. Stephen Covey writes this, Trust is the glue of life. It is the most essential ingredient in effective communication. It is the foundational principle that holds all relationships together. Trust is critical to faith. But here's the thing. Pain is probably... Pain is. It's not probably. I I can't think of anything else. Pain is the biggest enemy to trust. Anyone who has had to face great physical pain, anyone who's had to face a great ordeal, anyone who has had to face emotional pain or uh, mental pain, they've had to ask the question, can I trust anymore? Anyone who's experienced that sort of pain deep down within them, that is beyond anything they ever thought they would feel, they ask the question, and I don't blame them. I've asked it myself. Can I trust God? Can I trust that somehow God is good despite the pain? Can I trust that what has happened to me can be turned by God into something for my good? 
Pain is the enemy of trust. It's okay to ask the questions, but at the end, we need to come around to the answer, yes, I will trust in God. Now, it's not easy. I refuse to simply explain away a person's pain to turn it into something trite. Your pain is real. But please consider putting your faith, your trust in God. Max Ocato writes this, Faith is not the belief that God will do what you want. It is the belief that God will do what is right. For some of you listening right now, there's something you want. Please, will you trust that God will do what is right? Take that step of faith. Take that step of trust. Ernest Hemingway, an unlikely source, right? Says this way, this. The best way to find out if you can trust someone is to trust them. And I would challenge you today to trust the Lord. And I want you to turn your attention to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. They read like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. You and I are asked to trust in God. It's an importance that we are to trust him. And we trust him before our paths are made straight. The text tells us that after we trust, after we submit to the Lord, he'll make our paths straight. But some of us are waiting for everything to get worked out in our life, all the pain to get fixed, all the questions to be answered before we trust with faith. It doesn't work like that. We trust first and we let God work. I love a quote here that's from Eugene Peterson concerning faith, and it's a quote that tells us that trust must happen right now, not later. He says this, The only opportunity you will ever have to live by faith is in the circumstances you are provided this very day. This house you live in, this family you find yourself in, this job you have been given, the weather conditions that prevail at this moment, we can only have right now to trust. It's not something that happens later, later, later. The only opportunity is now. And I'll say this, when you are willing to trust God, the Bible tells us that such trust will produce several good things in your life. I want to be careful. We don't trust to try to manipulate God and get what we want, but when we trust There is fruit that grows from that trusting. And so, I just want to list off real quickly and with some scripture, eight things that come about in the life of a believer when we trust, have a faith that trusts God. I'm just going to say the word of what it is and then read a scripture. And I'm going to trust that you'll dig into those scriptures to to verify and to, to see that these things are a product of trust. So, the first one is deliverance. And that comes from Psalm 22.4. It reads, in, your, in you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you, meaning God, delivered them. A second product of trust is peace. Coming from John 14.1 and then verse 27. I got to open up my Bible here real quick. Normally I have these written out, but I forgot to put this one right in the text. So, John chapter 14 Verse 1 reads like this. Jesus is speaking. He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. So, there's the faith, the trust. And then down in verse 27 of the same chapter, it says this. 
Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. And so Jesus is at the beginning of that chapter saying, believe in me, trust in me. And at the end of that chapter, he's saying, and you will have peace. A third thing that comes from trusting is unfailing love. Psalm 32.10 says this, Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in Him. A fourth thing is rejoicing. Psalm 33.21 says this, In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. So, we trust and so therefore we can rejoice, is what we're being told. A fifth thing that comes from trusting in the Lord, having a faith that trusts, is righteousness. Genesis 15.6 says, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. And Romans 4 uh, verses 4. Five, verse 5 says this, However, to the one who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. I challenge you to read the bigger context. It doesn't mean just to not do any work, but to not try to work for salvation. The fifth thing, the fruit of trust, is blessing. Jeremiah 17.7 says this, But blessed is the one who trusts the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. Psalm 40 verse 4 says, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Seventh thing, his trust removes fear. Psalm 56 verses 3 and 4 say this, When I am afraid... I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God I trust, and I am not afraid. Where can mo- What can mere mortals do to me? And an eighth thing that trust brings about in the life of a believer, a gift, if you will, is the Holy Spirit. Romans 15.13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, those are just a few benefits of living with a trusting faith. Will you do that? Will you trust the Lord and we look forward to those benefits? Now, the Bible also warns against uh, placing our trust elsewhere. And chiefly, we can be tempted in three ways, um, to put our trust in human wisdom, uh, to put our trust in human power, to put our trust in human experience. And there's a couple Bible verses I could share with you real quick to talk about some warnings about don't put your trust in different places other than the Lord. Uh, Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six says this, those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept saved. Psalm 146 verse 3 says, Do not put your trust in princes and human beings who cannot save. Proverbs 11.28 says, Those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteousness will thrive like a green leaf. So my question for you is, are you placing your trust in something else other than Jesus? Or are you just simply hesitant to put your trust in the Lord and to Jesus? I want to close with this story. I know it's a shorter message today. Um, the story goes like this. There once lived a peasant on the island of Crete who deeply loved his life. 
He enjoyed tilling the soil, feeling the warm sun on his naked back as he worked the fields, and feeling the soil under his feet. He loved the planting, the harvesting, the very smell of nature. He loved his wife and his family and his friends, and he enjoyed being with them, eating together, drinking wine, talking, uh, loving his family. And he loved especially Crete, his beautiful island, the earth the sky, the sea, it was his, this was his home. One day, he sensed that death was near. What he feared was not what lay beyond, for he knew God's goodness and had lived a good life. No, he feared leaving Crete, his wife, his children, his friends, his home, and his land. Thus, as he prepared to die, he grasped in his right hand a few grains of soil from his beloved Crete, and he told his loved ones to bury him with it. He died, awoke, and found himself at heaven's gates, the soil still in his hand, and heaven's gate firmly barred against him. Eventually, St. Peter emerged from the gates and spoke to him. Ah, you've lived a good life, and we have a place for you inside. But you cannot enter unless you drop that handful of soil. You cannot enter as you are now. The man was reluctant to drop the soil and protested. Why? Why must I let go of the soil? Indeed, I cannot. Whatever is inside those gates I have no knowledge of, but this soil I know. It is my life, my work, my wife, my kids. It is what I know and I love. It is Crete. Why should I let it go for something I know nothing about? Peter answered, when you get to heaven, you will know why. It is difficult to explain. I am asking you to trust and trust that God can give you something better than a few grains of soil. But the man refused. In the end, silent and seemingly defeated, Peter left him, closing the large gates behind. Several minutes later, the gates opened a second time, and this time, then, from them emerged a young child. She did not try to coax the man into letting the soil go from his hand. She simply took his hand, and as she did it, it opened, and the soil from Crete spilled out to the ground. She led him through the gates. A shock awaited him as he entered heaven, and there before him lay all of Crete. Now, you might not like all the theology of that story. I'll admit it's not always all the best. We know that we get into heaven not by just being a good person, but by trusting in the sacrificial work of Jesus, by having faith in Christ. But I think there's something to learn from the story. Sometimes we trust what we know more than what we can, more than what is unseen. And there are a lot of people that are walking around in this world hanging on the past, hanging on to what, do they know, what they know, hanging on to something. And perhaps you have something that you are desperately clinging on to, and you're terrified to let it go. Maybe it's a memory. Maybe it's a family member. Um, it could be any number of things that you're hanging on to. And God is asking you to stop carrying such a burden and to let go and to grab onto him. Will you place your trust in Jesus instead of whatever it is you're trying to cling on to? Trust Christ. Let's pray. Lord Almighty, we confess that we are a people who prefer to walk by proof. Please help us to walk with you in faith. And as we step in faith, reveal yourself to us. With each step, help us to grow in you. Lord, help us to be a trusting people, trusting in your goodness, in your wisdom, in your authority, even in the face of the struggles and fear of this world. Lord, I want to pray for the hurting person who's struggling to trust in you. Meet with them. 
grow their faith. Lord, help them and us to let go of all that is keeping us from you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with Jesus.